0: Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for January 21st, 2022. Consumer activity has been greatly impacted by the pandemic, in addition to record job numbers, income growth, supply chain issues, and higher inflation. In today's episode, Nationwide's Chief Economist, David Burson, and Deputy Chief Economist, Brian Jordan, discuss the state of the consumer and the impact that retail spending and consumer activity could have on the overall economy and financial markets. And now, here's David Burson. Hi,
1: everyone. Brian and I are going to discuss what's going on with the consumer today. You know, we've gotten some, some data lately that look a little disappointing. Retail sales fell sharply. Weekly unemployment claims jumped. Are are we looking now at a period of weakness uh, for consumer spending, for the consumer overall? It's a temporary thing? And these are the things that that Brian and I are going to talk about today. Brian, let's start, uh, instead of looking at at specific releases, let's look at what lies beneath all of that and, and sort of the underlying things that would either cause strength or weakness for the consumer. What's happening with jobs and income growth?
2: Well, oh, so I think you hit the nail on the head, David, that there are a lot of cross currents and we're seeing a lot of headlines going in both directions with regard to the consumer. The consumer is fighting a higher inflation rate, a bit of a soft patch now, stemming from the Omicron variant of uh, the COVID pandemic. And we've had some weaker data, as uh, as you've mentioned. Jobless claims spiked up in, in the latest week. Uh, we had a very soft retail sales report. But really, to get to the heart of what's driving the consumer, we have to go to the labor market. I think this is always the starting point and may be very close to the ending point as well. And the labor market, I think, by any measure, still looks quite strong. It's true that the latest jobless claims numbers were a bit disappointing. We had a big spike in claims. But to a level, it should be uh, noted and stressed, that in normal times would be incredibly low or would look incredibly low um, at less than 300,000. For a long time, 300,000 was seen as a dividing line between a very strong labor market and simply a strong labor market. The unemployment rate is down below 4% now at 3.9%. We had a bit of a softer rate of job growth in December, but job growth has been very, very healthy. In, in recent months. Um, and other measures of job growth outside of the government's payroll survey uh, have been quite strong in, in recent months. So uh, the broad swath of labor market data, job growth, the unemployment rate, wage growth has been very healthy as well. No surprise, given the tightness in the labor market, that low unemployment rate, wage growth has been very healthy. The broad swath of labor market data suggests that uh, the consumer should be in good shape here.
1: Well, do you think that most of the, uh, the bump up in unemployment claims over the last two to three weeks is coming from the uh, Omicron variant and uh, as a result is relatively short term? And, and you know whether it's a few weeks or a month, we should see those unemployment claims going back down to the low 200,000 level, maybe back in the 100,000 level.
2: I think that's true, that's a good point. We're going through a bit of a soft patch. We've seen it in in other numbers as well, not just in the labor market, some of the labor market and some of the spending data. And so we're going through a bit of, of a slower period. It's impacting the labor market numbers. Perhaps more importantly, we're going through a period in which the claims numbers in particular are very difficult to parse because they tend to be so volatile through the holiday season. Uh, From Thanksgiving to Martin Luther King Day, we tend to see big skews in the jobless claims data. This isn't the first time that we've had some big moves, both to the downside and the upside, through a holiday season. And typically, once we get past MLK Day, the numbers start to settle in into more of a a longer-term trend. I think we're going to see that over the next several weeks and over the next few months. Before the holidays, the claims numbers, along with other labor market indicators – we're suggesting a very tight labor market. I think as we get through to the other side of the holidays now, and especially as Omicron, touch wood, um, fades away, um, we're going to see some lower claims numbers and some better labor market numbers in general.
1: And one of the things that, that helped boost household incomes uh, over the last year was the, uh, the special child tax credit. And, and that's expired now. We've gone back to the regular child tax credit. And you think that's going to have a significant impact on, on incomes and, and in particular on, on consumer spending this year?
2: I think the impact is marginal simply because there are so many other factors driving consumer incomes, so many so many other sustainable factors driving consumer income. So it's true that um, fiscal policy is not going to be as stimulative going forward as it's been um, since the outset of the pandemic. But the labor market, um, as we've just discussed, is still very tight. Wages are growing at nearly 6% on a year-over-year basis, and that's sustainable. That's something that consumers can count on, um, at least something in that ballpark in the the years ahead, given the tightness in, in the jobs market, the likelihood that the jobs market is going to get even tighter as this expansion continues to play out. So that support is going to continue to be there. We also have had a big rise in net worth since the um, outset of, of the pandemic. Household net worth has increased by over 30% uh, since um, the, the first quarter of, of 2020. Um, that's the, by far the strongest start to a bull market in history. The Fed has been putting this data out, or the Fed at least has data going back to the 1940s. We have never had a start to, to a bull market, a, a six-quarter start to a bull market with even close to a 30% gain in net worth. On average, by this point of the cycle, net worth is up by roughly 14%. We've more than doubled that at the outset of this cycle. Now the stock market is going to ebb and flow. The pace of uh, of home price appreciation is going to to ebb and flow. And so those numbers are going to, to oscillate as we go forward. But in general, we've got healthy financial markets boosting net worth, and more importantly, a very healthy labor market, boosting wages.
1: You know, it's interesting um, looking at, at household net worth over, we've dated through the third quarter, but, but over the year ending in the third quarter, we had a, a huge gain in, uh, in household net worth. And um, if you look historically, household spending out of wealth, as opposed to income, most, most people spend most of their income, but out of wealth, When wealth goes up by a dollar, then spending tends to go up by three percent of that or or three cents. Well, with the gain in household net worth that we have coming from the stock market, coming from uh, houses and using that that three percent rule, it's roughly right. Then it it suggests that there could be maybe six hundred and fifty billion dollars of additional consumer spending in the in the periods ahead. And, uh, you know, if you're right about the income growth from uh, from the labor market, you know, this this adds significantly to the ability of consumers to spend uh, over over the rest of this year.
2: I think that's a great point, David. And we have to remember as well, there is a considerable portion of the spending universe that has been to varying degrees off limits over the last two years. Consumers have spent a lot of that largesse coming from the stock market, coming from the labor market, coming from fiscal policy support on goods. We've we've had healthy goods spending, very healthy goods spending, um, nearly a double-digit annualized rate since early 2020. We haven't had much spending on services. In fact, since the end of 2019, spending on services has actually declined. No surprise uh, that we've lived through a pandemic for the the last two years. And so consumers have been hesitant about going to the movie theater, about taking trips, um, spending time in hotels, spending time in um, beauty salons, going to concerts going to sporting events things of 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 these natures again assuming the pandemic will fade as 2022 plays out it's to be expected that some of that pent up demand will be met we'll see consumers in a big way going back to to travel going back to the hotels going back to concerts going back to sporting events and movie theaters perhaps we're already seeing that the uh, success of Spider-Man over the last uh, several weeks would suggest that even through Omicron, uh, maybe that uh, consumers are beginning to adopt more of a post-pandemic posture here. And perhaps that's a sneak preview of what's to come in, in the rest of the year.
1: Let's look at, at uh, one of the measures or actually two of the measures of, of the capacity of, of households to spend. The, the Federal Reserve, every uh, quarter, puts out what they call the household debt service ratio. Um, And the financial obligations ratio, which is broader. So the household debt service ratio is just the ratio of of debt service payments to disposable personal income. So it's after-tax income. And the financial obligations ratio, which is broader, includes things like, like rental payments as well. And again, so it's the ratio of those financial obligation payments to disposable personal income. Those are pretty low right now. What does that tell us about the capacity of households to spend or at least to borrow?
2: Yeah, that's a a great point, David, that those numbers are extremely low. So the financial obligations ratio, which you mentioned, which is the broadest measure the Fed puts out um, of of the household debt burden, currently stands at 13.8 percent. Now, the long-term average is 16.2 percent. And in fact, for most of the history of this data series, which goes back to to 1980, um, we had never seen a reading below 15%. In fact, we didn't move below 15% until the very early days of of the last cycle in the early 2010s. We got down below 13% in 2020 with the pandemic. We've picked up a bit since then, but at 13.8, still incredibly low and would suggest that there is a very high capacity to spend. So this is not just a short-term trend here. You know, we've had, um, for the most part, a healthy consumer over the past couple of years of, of this recovery, the consumer should have some staying power, given the labor market and given the capacity that's evident in financial obligations.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what those numbers tell us. You know, the, the biggest concern, I think, right now is that retail sales fell so much in December. Now, it may well have been that people bought in advance, that you know, the media kept trumpeting the shortages of things that were going to be available for the holiday season to buy, and indeed, we saw a surge in retail sales in October, and uh, you know the the drop in retail sales in December wasn't just because people worried about Omicron, because non-store sales, online sales mostly, they went down too. So it may be the people that people just simply bought everything already, but the the problem is. If you look at retail sales, and that's just a portion of uh, good spending for personal consumption expenditures, and then you have to add services. Um, so the personal consumption expenditures for December will be much stronger than the retail sales. But with inflation higher and just starting, ending the year so badly, even with with reasonable assumptions for personal consumption expenditures and inflation in the first quarter, real PCE, real personal consumption expenditures, inflation adjusted, may be pretty weak, perhaps even even zero, and that's like 70% of the economy. So it's clear that for the first quarter, we're going to have, I think, a much slower pace of growth because consumer spending is just starting out the quarter weaker than than we've seen, and it it will have to be other parts of the economy, um, trade, business investment government spending, although we know that's not going up. That has to make up for the at least temporary shortfall in consumer spending. What do you see overall for first quarter GDP growth?
2: Yeah, I think those are good points. And we have to brace ourselves for uh, what is shaping up to be a fairly soft first quarter, at least from a GDP perspective. And you make a very good point, David, that so much of the, the quarterly run rate that we see in those GDP numbers is contingent upon how we ended the previous quarter um, because we're looking at level relative to average across the quarter versus average across the prior quarter. Um, And so that handoff level from the end of one quarter to the beginning of the next is extremely important. We're going to have a weak handoff here from Q4 to Q1. We're gonna start at a relatively soft level. Consumer spending is roughly 70% of GDP. So a softer consumption number very likely means a softer GDP number. Now, I think that we're going to see some health in the other components. CapEx looks like it's going to be strong. If we look at the recent numbers for core capital goods orders and more directly core capital goods shipments, they would suggest that CapEx is going to be healthy in Q1. Global growth until Omicron had been picking up, that should help to boost boost exports. And we're seeing a very big um, inventory response. One of the big stories of 2021 was the supply shock depleted inventories relative to sales. Inventories have been building at a fairly strong rate in recent months. That should show up in the GDP numbers as well. Those categories may not be enough to offset uh, a fairly soft consumer spending numbers. We're probably in for a relatively soft GDP number. But this will just be in keeping with what we've gone through through this pandemic. The pandemic um, has, among many other things, whipsawed the economic data on a month-to-month and a quarter-to-quarter basis. We've had big swings both to the upside and downside. GDP is a prime example of that, Minus 31 0.2 percent plus 33.8 percent the next quarter, falling or slowing to plus 4.5 percent, picking up again, then slowing down again, in Q3 of uh, of last year. So we're likely to see a, a better number in Q4, a softer number in in Q1. That's par for the course, um, at least since the uh, the pandemic began a few years ago. Well,
1: I think I think you're right. We'll we'll see a softer first quarter, but uh, I things look up from there and uh, for all of the year. Probably the consumer will do just fine based on all the things you were saying. Well, Brian, thank you for your thoughts today on, uh, on the state of the consumer and how likely consumers are to, to spend in, in, in the near term and, and even a little farther out than that. And I'd like to
0: thank all of our listeners for uh, tuning in today. This podcast is for financial professional use only information provided by nationwide economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice, or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty that will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and and & Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022 Nationwide.